When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Super Regional Field is set, and what a thrilling start to the NCAA tournament we had to set us up for the 16 remaining teams in eight best of three Super Regional series beginning this Friday and Saturday across the country. From epic comebacks and filthy walk offs to insane individual performances and head scratching no shows. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Florida. We'll have plenty of the usual suspects, but even so, there's room for a new dance partner in South Florida who was just under 500 a couple of weeks ago. Kyle Schasperger and Michael Serber with you. I'm on Twitter at Kyle Schass. He's at L underscore Serberino. We'll handicap the regional weekend that was. Look ahead to the Supers this weekend. Our biggest takeaway is an update on the head coaching situation at Texas A&M. <clears throat> Jim Sloshnagel, LSU. And now we even have two more massive openings on the West Coast that combined for 40 College World Series appearances and nine national titles. Serbs, I come to you from a land far, far away in the south suburbs of Chicago today. I'll be taking my daughter into the city. We'll, we'll have those typical, you know, postcard photo ops, go see the Bean, Chicago River, walk up Michigan Avenue, maybe go to the Water Tower Place, you know, visit the big mall and, and check things out. Lakeside, right next to Lake Michigan. How are things back for you in NC? Uh, it's, it, you know, it's kind of gray. Uh, yeah, you're, you're from here. You know, we haven't had a ton of rain this year. So we're, we're, we're looking at that today, which is going to uh, get in the way of me doing any type of yard work, um, which kind of pisses me off. But. Hey, has your daughter been to Chicago? So you're from Chicago. I don't know if our listeners know that. I'm, I think they might. Um, but has your daughter been before? Uh, or is this like her first trip to Chicago with you? 
So this is the first one that she could kind of understand and yeah. remember uh, in any capacity. She That's had to have I mean. been maybe, yeah, she had to have been maybe one, one and a half the last time we were here, you know, maybe even before that. And uh-huh. it was cold, you know, it was either Thanksgiving <laughs> or Christmas. So it's a different, it's a different world. It's a different universe when you come uh, to the Windy City during the winter months. And that's what everybody kind of wants to go to and lean into when they talk about Chicago. Oh, I don't want to live there. You know, it's too cold and the winters and the snow. Well, listen, reality check, baby. Best summer city in the world is Chicago. <laughs> dude, it's, it's been 80s and 90s. Dude, I'm, it's a different kind of humidity up here, man. Like, I'm sitting in my buddy's backyard yesterday, Tuesday, and we're, you know, catching up, watching the kids play. You know, my daughter, who's five, going on six, she's hitting off of a tee. I'm throwing some live wiffle ball action to her. We had dueling tees. Oh, like boy. My, my, my best friend's son, who's, who's four, is hitting off one tee as a right-hander, and then my daughter, who's five, is, is lefty, and she's hitting off another tee and they're side by side like we had like an Amansky like training video infomercial going yesterday (laughs) in his backyard like it was incredible but like I'm just I'm soaking dripping sweat through my shirt I I had to stop drinking like I couldn't even drink anymore and you know I might have went to the bathroom like twice all day yesterday because that humidity gets to you in a weird way where you where you just don't have to go like you are you are absorbing all of your liquids as best you can to just survive so it has been hot the rain though so I schedule my trip around a golf tournament every year or a golf outing with 16 guys out in Indiana, and it's a stay and play. It's a two-night thing. We play almost 100 holes of golf. So we got rained out Monday. So that's the bummer. I drive 10 and a half hours you know, to schedule this around one weekend, and then we don't even get to play the amount of golf we were supposed to on, on Monday. So that was a bit of a bummer. Um, I, I do have – I'm still suffering from uh, my food coma from Aurelio's Pizza, my tavern-style square-cut thin crust thin crust pizza. Uh, I had almost an entire Fiesta style, which is an extra large uh, yesterday. And, uh, you know, that that's really just starting to, you know, show itself through the pores <laughs> of my body. And, and I'm hurting, did the Italian beef, did the hot dog on, on Monday night. And uh, we'll go downtown today and I'll probably do deep dish today for sure. Oh, so, you know, it just, it just doesn't stop, man. It keeps going. Well, well, I'll nominate you for rad dad uh, for, for the, for your, your baseball coaching, your wiffle ball coaching that you were doing, but also for showing your daughter around your hometown and that's probably exciting for you to kind of introduce her to some stuff that was just you know a big deal for you when you were a kid and you kind of get to share that with her that's a beautiful thing I don't want to get too adorable to start the show but but that's <laughs> but that's nice and and you know I'll back you up uh, I've never been to Chicago but just on in general you know people get the wrong idea about like Chicago and New York it's, it's always so cold it's like yeah in the winter it's cold but like those places are kind of built uh, around these these water you know, and what yeah. water does is it creates this atmosphere and like humidity and all because I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, which is just plopped down in the middle of a swamp similar to that of Chicago and, and New York. And like you don't realize like if, if you're not from an area that's like that, that just has a ton of water around, you don't get the humidity thing. So I understand where you're coming from because I know there's what's the river that runs. Through, is it the Chicago River? I don't. Yeah, Chicago River. That's, I mean, that's when a, they dye green for St. Paddy's Day and everything. Yeah, and that's is that the only water that's running around Chicago? I mean, it's a big river though, if, even if it is the only one. But like, you know, yeah, that flows. It flows into the lake. You got Lake Michigan right there. So, so like, there you got you go, a beach. Yeah. So like, like water that, that's creating a whole gat, greenhouse effect. Like, man, summers in cities, people do not understand. Like, also like concrete blasting off, like mirrored windows on these skyscrapers, like. Cities are freaking hot in the summertime. So props to you for going uh, to to the concrete jungle and enduring all that. But did you get did you get to watch some college baseball while you were up there? 
Dude, I watched quite a bit. Like, I'm surprised as much as I was able to take in because I was a little upset with the timing of this trip, um, knowing that it was the start of regional weekend. But look, I had 10 and a half hours in the car um, on on Friday night into Saturday morning. So I listened. I mean, I was doing like whip around DJ type action on the TuneIn radio app, which, uh, you know, we have our college sports channel, which some of our listeners might be familiar with the SEC radio network. You can, you know, access that through there. But all of our partner schools, too, with Learfield IMG College, you can access real live play-by-play programming for all of these teams while you're on the road so just search Arkansas just search Vanderbilt um you know whatever it may be Tennessee you know I had a grand slam walk-off that I heard in real time on on Friday night and it's just amazing and chilling the goosebumps and you're trying to keep tabs on everything going on and it's just unlimited you know um nationwide coverage of everything going on and then it spills into Saturday Saturday, you know, my golf trip begins. I'm, I'm keeping tabs, checking Twitter, doing everything I can, get to the hotel, uh, the resort Saturday night. What do we have on? Nebraska and Arkansas on the television, Texas Tech, and uh, I think it was North Carolina that night on Saturday evening. So um, Sunday, same deal. Monday, we had games. We even had a game on Tuesday because of a rainout. So like, dude, college baseball, having regional weekend back, I don't, I don't know what it was like for you, but you know, it's similar to March Madness. Like you don't know what you have until it's gone and it just increases and magnifies, you know, or amplifies uh, the excitement and just how much you love this time of the year and just how insane, like, dude, you forget how overwhelming it is with the amount of games going on. Like we need, you know, squeeze play is great on ESPN. You know, the, the old bases loaded that they've now rebranded. But, like, dude, I don't even know if that's enough to keep up with everything going on at one time. I mean, it was an incredible jam-packed weekend. Yeah, it's a bit daunting. I think it gives the rest of the country a taste of what, you know, SEC fans maybe get to experience throughout the year. Week in, week out, SEC plays pretty intense. And, you know, you you bounce around to a lot of games going on at, at once. Um, I, I don't know that, like, that's the only thing that I could think of that even comes close to regional weekend and conference tournament week. Um, as far as the intensity level, it's just, you know, it gives everyone else kind of a chance to, to observe what, you know, the SEC network and, and, and the, the mothership kind of provides for them throughout the season. Um, and it's also further evidence that college baseball is an extremely exciting sport to watch. Uh, we had a lot of great games, a lot of runs scored. I, I know we'll get to Notre Dame shortly. They, they literally blew up over the weekend. So, I mean, yeah, I, I love I love it, and uh, I'm looking forward to re- to supers coming up. Um, we got some good matchups, and and a couple that we didn't expect. And and honestly, we got a, we almost we almost saw the number one seed uh, Razorbacks like totally eat it uh, on Monday, but they they pulled it out. Yeah, and what and what do we get? What we come to expect with the Hogs? Uh, timely clutch home runs, mm-hmm. uh, and then also an incredible. Uh, stopper in Kevin Copps. I mean, the dude threw seven innings, more on him in a moment. Let's run down at least all of the matchups, and then we'll start to unpack what we saw this past weekend as we look ahead. But uh, the Super Regionals, the left side of the bracket, one side, if you will, that will represent Omaha. These eight teams will decide the first four spots, these four series. NC State at number one, Arkansas. So it's the Fayetteville Super Regional. These games are beginning on Friday. East Carolina, uh, the 13 overall national seed, taking on four-seeded Vanderbilt, uh, beginning at noon on Friday. That's a 6 o'clock Eastern start for NC State and Arkansas, by the way. But that's the Nashville Super Regional. The Lubbock Super Regional starting at 3 o'clock on Friday. Stanford, the 9, taking on 8-seeded Texas Tech, who swept through their regional in Lubbock. Not, not a lot of suspense there. 12-seeded Ole Miss, 
taken to the seventh game with Southern Miss on Monday, taking on five-seeded Arizona. Uh, Nine o'clock start uh, Eastern time for that final Super Regional on the left side of the bracket to begin on Friday. And then Saturday, South Florida and two-seeded Texas. Nine o'clock start on Saturday night. Dallas Baptist and Virginia. Here's your neutral site regional being awarded to Columbia. That's going to start at noon on Saturday. LSU and three-seeded Tennessee, your all-SEC showdown. Seven o'clock start on Saturday night. And then 10-seeded Notre Dame and seven-seeded Mississippi State, two o'clock start on Saturday. So those are the matchups. Those are the 16 teams. As we frame that weekend, uh, let's unpack, though, what we just had. So a lot of score scored, server. You touched on that, particularly Saturday. The winning teams outscored the losers 313 to 102. I'm sitting there in, in my resort before going out to play 36 holes. And I'm trying to tabulate all, all 32 games and all the run totals for the winners and the losers. And I'm like, I got to get this on Twitter. I got to see this. This is just uh, insane, the amount of scoring that we had on Saturday. And in the center of this explosive weekend was Ole Miss's Tim Elko. And his growing legend that will be discussed in circles far ex- will far exceed the grow for ages. Up his 55th RBI, too. Swung on, Elko, high fly ball, left center field. Trimble is at the wall, and it is out of here! Grand slam, Elko, his third of the year, his second of the Oxford Regional. That's courtesy of the Ole Miss Sports Network. David Kellum, DK, love the dude. Tim Elko, one of two grand slams on the weekend. He had a granny on Friday, hit a granny Monday to make it 9-0 over Southern Miss. Now, the Golden Eagles had a valiant comeback effort, falling ultimately 12-9 only. But here, uh, Serbs, did you, this guy tore his ACL, like, April 5th. Since he's come back, uh, he's had... Two multi-homer games. He's hitting 302, seven home runs at all, 18 RBIs. Uh, he had two homers in that game Monday against Southern Miss. I mean, this dude is beyond legendary. I don't know if there are enough adjectives to describe him and his impact at Ole Miss, but like, it is insane what he's been able to do on just one ACL. Like, it, it's incredible. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, it makes me think of a performance by Deshaun Watson uh, late in his or late in his freshman season. He tore his ACL. And he went out and played against South Carolina and beat them. But then he didn't go to the bowl game. <laughs> Elko has torn his ACL, and he's like, "And now we're gonna go try and win this whole damn thing." Um, and the big the big fella is riding himself into the into the, into the legendary into like legend status at Ole Miss for playing through this this injury. Um, you know, he's has he had surgery or is he just toughing it out? Uh, you know, I think he's toughing it out. No matter even if he's had surgery or not. But is this just? Is he just saying like, you know what? Don't need an ACL. Um, or has he had surgery and he's like, the rehab process is just hitting bombs. He is uh, now. I don't know the particulars of it. I, I think I don't believe he's had surgery at this point. Like you said, okay. he's just grinding it out. But like okay. he's proving that. He has a future at the next level, I think, mm-hmm. as, as what you would call a professional hitter. Like, you know, people forget, like, there are only so many Major League Baseball teams, right? And think about the farm system and how, you know, at times it might seem oversaturated. And a lot of these guys that become legends for their respective teams in college never see the light of day in the big leagues and mm-hmm. never maybe get a fair shake either. You look at the foreign influence of players and, and where baseball pools all their talent from, you know, it's hard to make it in baseball, maybe more so than any other sport, just because of the influence outside of America. So, like, Elko, though, 
if he continues to hit like this, and, and this is his final year, um, you know, he's going to get a shake. He's going to get a look somewhere. He's going to have an opportunity in the minors, you know, to hit, to be somebody who can you know, contribute. And I think that's, that's one of the joys here. And, and even if, even if he doesn't get a chance at the next level, like Tim Elko is a name that is going to go down, you know, forever in Ole Miss baseball more, um, you know, it's just this larger than life kind of fictional like character. And you're just not going to believe what he was able to do and what he was able to contribute. So Ole Miss has earned now a date with Arizona, and there are going to be a lot of runs scored in Tucson this weekend. Two of the most high-powered offenses, Ole Miss, the number one offense in the SEC all year. Uh, Arizona right there near the top, if not at the very top in the Pac-12, having no drop, no problems in the Tucson Regional over the weekend. Uh, and, and Doug Nikhazy, I, I'm incredibly interested on in what this guy can do. He he came in, he started again on Monday. Um and, and fared well for himself. Derek Diamond, who started in Friday's win over Southeast Missouri, came in in relief on Monday. I mean, Ole Miss's pitching staff is taxed. So I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how they could rebound against Arizona uh, in the Supers this weekend. But we know they're going to be able to hit. And, and can the offense, you know, offset any inefficiencies, you know, from that pitching staff of Ole Miss this weekend against Arizona? I don't know. But it's hard to doubt what Doug Nikhazy can do, picking up his 11th win of the year. Um and Taylor Broadway getting his 16th save. He's got more than anybody else in, in Ole Miss history, uh, if I recall correctly. So uh, this Ole Miss team is, is is a lot of fun, man. We had fun with them last year, Serbs, if you remember, uh, early on in the season before COVID. And it's a different kind of team, though, um, this year. And Mike Bianco... You know, may he flirt with the LSU job? I mean, his son Drew plays for LSU. Mm. Bianco uh, is a former LSU Tiger. Like, you wonder if that can maybe seep in and and, and present a distraction. Um, not to this point, uh, but things are going to get hot and heavy. And speaking of LSU, you know, Paul Maneri sticking around another weekend. I mean, there there is some drama in the SEC coaching circles uh, for sure. And y- you hope that doesn't impact all this as they continue to try and push forward any other thoughts on on Ole Miss or the Oxford Regional at all Southern Miss is going to get every everybody back offensively next year Scott Perry has done a tremendous job um you know that goes without saying it in his time in in Hattiesburg and he's going to have a stacked uh I, I think Gabe Montenegro had 16 17 hits uh the entire weekend in that regional so the entire offense is going to be back in conference usa despite louisiana tech losing southern miss losing old dominion losing charlotte losing like they had four teams right and Mm -hmm. and almost all of them could have hosted none of them advanced to the supers but you know maybe a moment of silence round of applause at the same time for what cusa was able to achieve this year yeah props to cusa um i'm fortunate that they're not going to be playing in a super regional because it's always nice to root for those smaller schools but we have some other options left in the field. Um, I was I was honestly yeah surprised that none of them made it because we did talk about them this year. They were really impressive uh, down the stretch. Um, I, I was probably thinking Charlotte uh, had the best shot of any of them, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know what the situation looks like for the rest of those teams. But Southern Miss has been firmly entrenched as you know, a, a regional mainstay um, in college baseball for the past few years here. So, yeah, if they're getting everybody out, everybody back, like, look out there. They're poised for a run next season in what will be a much more normal season, too. Let, let's not, let's let's also keep in mind for all these clubs whose season ended last week, it was a great achievement to even get to the regionals, 
given the circumstances of how this season came to be, um, everything that was you know faced as it as it went on with COVID and, and games getting moved around and stuff, they dealt with just they dealt with it just as much as football and basketball did um, when the pandemic was raging even a little bit more than it than it has been throughout baseball season. Um, but you know, Ole, Ole Miss is uh, Ole Miss is going to be interesting to watch as as it goes as it goes along. Um, looking forward to the Arizona series. I love the idea of just an SEC team having to go out to the desert and and you know, Arizona's going to have a chip on their shoulder, right? I think anybody that plays an SEC team is going to come into that game with a, with a chip on their shoulder because the 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 national uh, conversation is going to be built around well, you know. It's always built around the SEC is the best. It just means more, um, and that's going to give some motivation to Zona for sure. So let's keep let's keep it in the SEC, which makes sense because look, six teams are represented in the Super Regional. Only two teams did not advance. That being Florida, who got bounced after a nineteen to one trouncing by South Alabama in their own regional. Um, yeah, that's a forgettable form. It's safe to say the Gators were, were not ready to play. Motivation may be a factor. And Kevin O'Sullivan, is he a guy who could be flirting with another job? Hint, hint, uh, tease of what's to come. But Florida's gone. South Carolina's gone. Virginia had eliminated them before taking the Old Dominion regional and walk-off fashion on Tuesday. But but I want to pivot to uh, a team that, that you mentioned, Serber, and that is the number one overall seed in, in Arkansas, who was pushed to the brink of elimination over the weekend in the Fayetteville Regional. Uh, they knocked off New Jersey Institute of Technology, and it was not easy on Friday, 13-8. to They trailed in that ball game early on. Kevin Copps uh, had to come in <laughs> in the fourth inning in the fourth inning to stop the bleeding. Uh, that was one of the games that I had tuned in as I was driving cross-country up to Chi-Town. Uh, they were able to come back, though, get the 13-8 win. NJIT, by the way, uh, asserted themselves nicely over the weekend. The Institute of Technology, from what I understand, they became fan favorites of the crazed uh, hog fans in Fayetteville. Uh, actually, you know, went to a, a local restaurant, local eatery, and got a standing ovation from, like, all of the Arkansas people in there. Um, so it was like really cool when you see those small schools, you know, come in and hold their own mm-hmm. well and then get recognized for it because this is an experience they'll never forget. So um, super awesome. But then Nebraska, uh, Arkansas went 5-1 in the first meeting on Saturday. And then Sunday, Nebraska won 5-3, to setting up a game seven uh, winner take all, uh, which Arkansas was able to win. But they were down 2 nothing. Yeah. Serbs, when Kevin Copps came in and he threw the next seven innings add some timely home runs a pinch hit homer by charlie welch to put things uh completely out of reach in the late innings robert moore had another timely bomb to tie things up uh in that contest so your sec pitcher of the year collegiate baseball national player of the year kevin cops this is what he did over the fayetteville regional weekend 13 and a third scoreless innings in relief two wins and a save he struck out 15 and did not walk a single person. Not not to mention seven innings on Monday. Video game numbers. He's like a video game player. Like that doesn't that doesn't happen. Seven and he, it's it, it's one. Th- so it's like you say, oh, he had seven innings of relief, but he does that all the time. All the time. Yeah. Like like he's, he 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 is always coming in and pitching like four or five, six, seven innings, and it's like he's the best starter you have that doesn't start. He's he's it's it's amazing. Um, so he's twelve he's twelve and zero, and that's the second most wins in the country. He's not a starter. Has he and started the, any games? 
No, and that's the most of any pitcher across the nation who has not taken a loss. So he's 12-0. and 0, He's got 11 saves, okay? It's, well, <laughs> I mean. Uh, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but let me just present a scenario to you. What do you do with a guy like that if you're in Omaha and, you know, it's a three-game series to win the national championship? Say you're tied 1-1 and, and he didn't pitch game two, you know? I think you roll him out there and start him game three. You might or do well, you not? Think, or do you not? Well, do you just like put out somebody that you're like, I know I can get two or three good innings from this guy, and then we'll turn it over to Kevin? Well, here's the thing, too. You get a day in between games. Like, you're not playing back-to-backs in Omaha at all. So, yeah. like, uh, we've seen we've seen the workload that Kevin Copps is, is able to take on. I mean, why why think that you might have to do it any other, any differently than what you've already done to get to this point? You know, like, you've got guys like, Patrick Wicklander, you know, who who can come in and and give you a strong uh give you a strong start. You've got other guys like Lael Lockhart or or Caleb Bolden, um Peyton Pellets, you know, you've got you've got trusted starters, which uh, Arkansas, I say trusted. It, it's been a little skeptic at times, which is why Cops has had to been used mm-hmm. the way that he has. He's had those opportunities, but you know, Kevin Cops, here here's his total line. Okay. Um, no game started, by the way. Just just had to confirm. Thirty-one appearances. Thirty-one. That oh. is that is six more appearances than Caden Monk on the year, who has come in in, in relief. Uh, but thirty-one appearances, twelve and zero record. He's got eleven saves, seventy-nine and two-thirds innings pitched, forty-three hits, six runs allowed in seventy-nine and two-thirds. Only six runs allowed. All of them earned hundred and twenty strikeouts. And those 79 and two-thirds to 15 walks. Opponents are hitting 156 off of him. Uh, he's allowed three homers, four doubles. And his ERA, he, here's the topper. His ERA is .68 in 79 and two-thirds innings. It's so low, you could double that .68, okay, to make it, what, .1.34, I guess it would be if you double it. It still would be only .06 away from being the best in the country. That's if you double it. I mean, 13.9 batters per nine innings that he's striking out, 7.47 via strikeout for every walk. I mean, that ratio is just ungodly. Um, you can't say enough about you, – you, we talk about Tim Elko and just how – how head scratching, how bizarre, how you know you can't believe you're witnessing the sort of things you you are with a guy on one ACL, and then you look, you know, in the same division, if you will, um, in the SEC, and you've got a guy on the mound in Kevin Copps. I mean, these these are just you know larger than life uh, performances and in individuals, and and it's it's hard to believe what we're witnessing this year from from a couple of these guys individually, and particularly in Kevin Copps. Yeah, I mean, it's not even that guys can't hit him. It's they can't they can't even get on base. You know, like it's uh, it, it's a thrill. Like when you look at this, I'm looking at this line, and I just can't believe it's like a real thing that's happening. Because <laughs> um, it does, it reminds me of like a, something you put up in a video game. Um, like the eight to one strikeout to walk ratio is it's insane. Um, he's gonna make a lot of money. In, in his life. I, I hope he didn't – I hope he's not like – I mean, if I'm an, if I'm an MLB team, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, well, he's ready to go now. Yeah, you know? let's go. He's throwing 31 he's, – he's had 31 appearances. He's Most of them are coming on little to no rest. It's like he's doing he's doing what you do as, as a big league pitcher. Um, 
Yeah, and I mean, doing it in the SEC uh, as a whole other thing. Yeah, I, I think you're right on the thing I propose. You know, maybe you just stick with what's what's work what's worked so far. Um, but we're probably going to see him pitch just about every game out there. You know, um, and they will. You're gonna. Someone's gonna have to light him up, right? Yeah. To 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 so. knock these hogs to knock these hogs out. You're either just gonna have to put up a big spot in an elimination game early before he before they get a chance to run him out there, or you're actually going to go after have to take him, which no one has done. Uh, so you know he he just makes Arkansas just such a difficult out for everybody that's gonna face him throughout throughout the rest of this tournament you're and, gonna have to be kevin cops if yeah. you're gonna take down top-seeded arkansas 100 there's, there's no no doubt about it and even when you get behind you know in a game or you're ahead taking on arkansas like cops is gonna come in he's gonna stop the bleeding it, it's automatic and he's gonna shut you down and then those arkansas bats are gonna come alive late in the game you know whether it's christian frank franklin Jalen battles you know bob Moore. i mean they've got guys they've got dudes everywhere I, and, and they're all coming up with timely hitting I, I tuned into that game. I didn't watch the beginning of that game. It was 2-2, I think, in the seventh when I put it on. Um, And I just, as soon as I saw he was on the mound, I was like, they're fine. <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, like, when I, I, I put the game on because I see, I'm like, holy crap. Like, Nebraska <laughs> is might do this. And then as soon as I turn it on, I see who's throwing, and I'm like, it's over. Um. <laughs> And and it's just crazy to 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 just have that luxury coming out of the pen like that. So, yeah, hogs. It's gonna be tough all the way. You hit it on the head. They, they you got to go through him. You put it the best way too. I mean, video game numbers. That's for sure. You talk about video games. You talk about fairy tale stories, endings. Possibly it isn't the end yet for the fairy tale finish that LSU is looking for for pulmonary despite losing game one to Gonzaga three nothing they're going to find themselves in the Knoxville Super Regional taking on Tennessee in an all SEC showdown they fell to Gonzaga then beat Central Connecticut State took extra innings in the loser bracket from the Eugene Regional over the weekend 6-5 they come back and win beat Gonzaga in the revenge game 9-4 take down the host Oregon 4-1 and then in a thrilling back and forth just bonker showdown late on Monday night serves we had two we had two regional finals starting at 10 o'clock on a Monday night on the East Coast. You had Oregon and LSU, and then you had Stanford and UC Irvine. Anteaters are bounced. Stanford's back uh, in the Super Regional round. But, like, dude, two at 10 o'clock? Like, we couldn't do something to start those games on the West Coast? Like, you know, at 5 o'clock local time? You know, 8 o'clock Eastern? Like, what, what's going on, man? That's a little too late for a Monday night. Yeah, well, you know, college, that's college baseball getting, you know, the college baseball shaft like they always do, unfortunately. But yeah. I'd, rather, I'd, rather have them at, I'd rather have them at 10 o'clock than, like, trying to search for them on, like, some European streaming site or something like that, you know, because you don't have yeah. Pac-12 network or something dumb. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's late. It's going to be Ole Miss, Arizona is going to be late, 9 o'clock Eastern. On a, on, even though that's a Friday night, I know it's still 9 o'clock Eastern is late for some of us. <laughs> It's just, well, you know, the Monday night, like, late 9 o'clock Central thing, 10 o'clock Eastern time, like, that stuff's reserved for national championships, which is a whole nother argument and story, you know, with how late those games start. But, like, come on. So, I'm watching I'm watching LSU-Oregon. I'm laying down. I've had a long week. It, it's been a, a long few days, the beginning of my trip. So, I pass out in, like, the second inning. It's, like, 9.30 uh, Central time where I'm at watching. 
and then uh, I wake back up just just for the final out, like around midnight, I think it was, Central Time for, for Palmineri and LSU. So uh, the swan song continues, and they're going to face a Tennessee team that it produced, I think, the most dramatic of finishes, not counting Virginia's super-clinching walk-off win on Tuesday off the bat of Devin Ortiz. But this from Tennessee over the weekend, uh, the best finish by far. Steenstra at third, Ferguson now at second, Rucker the tying run at first, one out, bottom of the ninth, Wright State eight, Tennessee five. Ball hit high in the air in the right field, going back to Sayre, and Tennessee can say hello win column, a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth, you can't draw it up any better. Home run number seven, grand slam number two. And the Big Orange will top this ball game against Wright State and walk it off against the Raiders. Holy smokes! He'll touch home plate. And Tennessee stays alive by the slightest hair of its chinny-chin-chin. Final score. Tennessee 9, Wright State 8. Courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. That's what my grandmother would say. The hair of your chinny chin chin reminds me of the three little three little piggies, right? Wasn't that the little nursery rhyme? Yeah, three three little pigs. Did you ever have the three little javelinas when you were a no, kid? Did you have that I book? never heard I never heard of that one. Enlighten me. It was like a it was the it was the three little pigs, but it had like a Tex Mex inspiration <laughs> to it. Um yeah, I think that's a, maybe a more I think it's strictly our generation that got that, like nineties kids. I don't think okay. it was like anything that our parents would have known about, um, and I don't know how my I don't know how, I don't know who like hipped my parents to it because it certainly wasn't anything they had ever read. But it was like my favorite thing when I was a kid because I knew the three little pigs, but the three little javelinas just it was just a it was just a little bit different, um, and it had really it was such a cool <laughs> illustration book. But sorry, I derailed us briefly back to baseball. No, I mean, look, I'm going to have to get the three little javelinas for, for my daughter. I'm going to have to find that. So yeah. shoot me a link. T- tell me where I can find that one. Um, Drew Gilbert with the walk-off 9-8, the final score for Tennessee over Wright State in game one of the Knoxville Regional and set the tone for, for Tennessee throughout the rest of the weekend. Uh, they come out of the Knox- Knoxville Regional. Uh, but listening to that one, I think I was driving through Ohio at that point, Serbs, on Friday night. And, man, like you can hear through that call um, just – the magnitude, the moment, um, just how unlikely that was. I mean, the position Wright State was in, they had that game at hand. They went they went to the bullpen, made a change. Uh, the reliever, you know, walked the first guy, loads the bases, um, it, and then Drew Gilbert walks up, and he cuts through. He swings through a changeup. He was guessing fastball in the first pitch, and he took a home run swing, and then he gets the fastball in the second delivery and deposits it over the wall. Uh, just an, an incredible finish, just chilling the goosebumps. I mean, how can you not be romantic about baseball, right? Like, I, I give that call a 10 out of 10. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal call. Uh, Tennessee always brings the gas no matter what the sport may be. Um, we've had some pretty awesome calls on the football field too, uh, from them recently, but, uh, yeah, Tennessee, uh, who I can't believe they're here. I can't believe like it's every week we talk about like where this program has come from over the past several years, which is just being an afterthought within the SEC, uh, to really having one of the most memorable moments of the weekend. Pretty cool. Yeah, so cool. And now you're going to get a rematch from earlier this year when Tennessee 
swept LSU. So uh, like Florida State, you know, two years ago, LSU is trying to do for Palmineri what Florida State did for um, did for Mike Martin. Yep. And that was send him off in with a College World Series appearance. And, and Florida State went to Baton Rouge that year and, and took both games uh, from LSU. Didn't even need a third game. Won convincingly uh, and quickly over the Tigers on their own home turf uh, to send Florida State to a College World Series in Mike Martin's final final season. So uh, let's see if LSU can do the same for Paul Maneri. He's He's taken them there. A number of times already, runner-up in 17, winner in 09, and, and Paul Maneri, who will be leaving after this year, announcing that, you know, after their exit from Hoover, um, you know, providing a little bit of extra layer of, of motivation for his team and for his guys. Uh, let's shift things over to Starkville, keeping it in the SEC. Uh, and, and Starkville, Duty Noble Field, 15,000 people are going to welcome the Golden Domers, Notre Dame. Uh, to Stark Vegas this weekend. I cannot wait to see the shine of those helmets just penetrate that Duty Noble skyline, that stadium, and for Notre Dame to come in and just absolutely... Sorry, th- this is the homer in me for, <laughs> for Notre Dame for sure, but I can't wait to see the Irish just wax uh, on the Bulldogs for sure. I, I-, I think Mississippi State fans already are-, are talking a big game and trying to generate some sort of you know um, verbal warfare with Notre Dame people. Uh, but look, Notre Dame is not having it, man. They're pissed. Link Jarrett said as much that they were left out of the top eight national seed field. And now because of it, which is total crap, uh, despite sweeping through their field 50 to 5 okay uh and hitting 15 home runs across the two game stretch against central michigan and yukon which by the way they they beat the huskies who started their ace on saturday 26 to 3 football finish yeah. uh there in south bend now their prize is they have to go down to duty Noble notre dame football the doesn't score 26 points uh, yeah, you're I'm right. Just, you're right. Just, they got, sorry, yeah, yeah, couldn't help you. myself. You're getting a little too, a little too high on the Golden Domers. Continue. <sighs> Nico Cavadas showdown a big way too, just hitting the ball over the park. And I am most intrigued. This will be my favorite super. I think we mentioned on the show last week if, if things lined up correctly. Uh, Notre Dame going to Mississippi State. We're gonna get it. Uh, Bulldogs and Irish this weekend. But uh, again, it's not fair, you know, serves. It really isn't, but you can only control what you can control. So, like, I can get upset about it to an extent. I I think it sucks um, that Notre Dame's not going to host a Super Regional. But, like, still, this is going to provide us, I think, one of the more aesthetically pleasing uh, and fun environments. And I think Notre Dame is going to thrive. I can't wait to see how they react in this sort of environment. It's going to be fun this weekend. Uh, I'm, so to piggyback on your homerness, I'm a Clemson homer. Like, let's not kid ourselves. And if there's anything being a Clemson homer has taught me, it's that Dabo can, like, take anything negative or even, like, moderate and turn it into an advantage for his football team. And that's not unique to him. That's just a coaching thing. But he just happens to wear everything on his sleeve so everyone sees it all the time and gets annoyed by it. Don't kid yourself. Like, Notre Dame is highly motivated because they're not a top eight national seed. And while it may be BS that they have to go down to Starkville, even though they should probably be hosting a super regional, um, that's not going to... They're not going to step into that stadium, see that environment, and... And, and crumple, you know? They're going to thrive on that. Um, and that's going to be an interesting series to watch. I'm putting that as the Gold Star series for the weekend. I want 
Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go ahead and say that LSU Tennessee is going to be very good. South Florida Texas. Um, I, I I think like I'm interested to see if South Florida can continue this run that they're on to to make it uh, to Omaha. But that's that's the one. Notre Dame Mississippi State directly into my veins. And we'll pick we'll pick at all eight of these series in a moment. And and you mentioned South Florida. They're the one team, the new dance partner, if you will, is making their first ever super regional appearance. A, a team that was you know, uh, for dead just a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, just being an ECU one-bid league. And then all of a sudden, ECU has to come out of the loser's bracket. USF is able to beat them uh, and earn a way to the title game. They get the automatic bid, and then here they are in the Gainesville Regional. And while Florida, you know, craps all over themselves, uh, South Florida is a beneficiary of that. And they give us a a, a great final game against South Alabama. Uh, One of the dudes for South Alabama, the left fielder uh, jumped the wall and had a phenomenal home run saving catch at one point against the Bulls when it was in the late stages of that game. I mean, a tremendous theater between those two, but South Florida is able to pull it out. Uh, awesome celebration, too, when they clinch and they're all running out of the dugout. Like, very, very cool vibes uh, from this Bulls ball club who's playing with house money, and now they get to go to Texas uh, to the Austin Super Regional. Texas, no problems in Austin for regional weekend, and we're going to have the Longhorns against the Bulls. So, like, Cerber, my question to you is, is a Longhorn a bull and vice versa? And, you know, what kind of like voodoo, like cross pollination do we have here between mascots? All right. So I did some light research. A Longhorn can be either a cow or a bull. It doesn't necessarily have to be a male cattle, if you will. It's just a specific yeah. breed of cattle noted for those horns. Um, so, so. A longhorn is not just a bull. So no, a longhorn isn't a bull, but a longhorn can be a bull. But a bull is not necessarily a longhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel Einhorn is a man. Dude, okay. grab the plunger, bro, and put it up to your face. That's the only that was the visual I had when I was thinking about South Florida and Texas. I'm like, wait, Longhorn Bull. Bull Longhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Yeah. Einhorn is Finkel. Oh, Ace Ventura, man. What a what a classic. So like uh, my head is just spinning uh over the mascots and just trying to figure out, you know, uh what is what and, and what breed of animal can be another breed and it takes me back to grade school and the joy of of school really in general and an education that once you remove yourself from from elementary and junior high uh you forget most everything you've learned because you don't <laughs> apply it in your everyday life so you know that's one of the one of the negatives of our educational system but uh no, that'll be a lot of fun, man. I think USF, uh, this is kind of like the NJIT argument. While they asserted themselves well and played well and represented themselves in Fayetteville, you know, they didn't come out on the winning end by any means. South Florida's in a similar position. Like, wh- what do they have to lose? You know, and they mm-hmm. can do a lot for their program, uh, for, the, for the growth of their program, for the exposure from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, they're in Florida, and we know the Gators own Florida. And then you have Florida State also and Miami. You've got three powerhouse baseball schools there in South Florida. You know, being an AAC team, you know, they want a piece of that pie, too, in terms of, you know, trying to change the the trajectory of their program and how they're viewed, how they're perceived in that state. And even across the AAC, which is desperate of somebody else stepping up uh, and joining ECU because uh, Wichita State is way down. Houston is way down. You know, Tulane has, has been there, but they haven't been able to break through that wall. So uh, this if we're going to pick 
and, and maybe we can do this right now, Serbs. You know, looking at all the matchups this weekend, I mean, who is your underdog that might be? And, and it's it's either Dallas Baptist or South Florida, you know, right? And, uh, and from an underdog standpoint, so like, who who do you think has the better chance? Um, I would say Dallas Baptist, just because we did see Virginia have to have to go all the all the way to the end of that regional. Um, I, I, I hesitate to call East Carolina an underdog, but in Nashville, taking on that rotation, which I know didn't light it up necessarily last week. Um, East Carolina, while, while Dallas Baptist might be the, the underdog that the small school, the no one's ever heard of best chance to win. I don't think South Florida has a chance to to even take Texas to a third game. Like I want them to, and it'd be interesting to see what happens, but I don't even think that'll happen. I think Dallas Baptist Virginia's got a, a chance to go to three games. But like East Carolina, I'm counting as an underdog because they can't get past this point. And now they never have. They never they can't get past here. And and to do it now they have to beat what, you know, all season long, you know, up until Arkansas kind of separated themselves a little bit we'd said and really for the past three or four years we've said this is the best team in college baseball consistently and so, so while east carolina is an established power in college baseball over the past five to ten years now um to get over this hump that they can't get over they have to get past literally the best college baseball program of the past five to ten years so uh overall in the country I know that wasn't necessarily the question you asked, but I I have a hard time not classifying East Carolina as an underdog because of all those factors. That that's fair, um, and that was an oversight. I'm, I think you're correct in in viewing ECU as one of potentially three massive underdogs uh, in, in singling them out with DBU uh, as well as. USF, not quite maybe on the same tier as, as Dallas Baptist and USF, but because uh, ECU has so, so desperately been trying to get to this point and, and clinch their first ever berth in the College World Series, the fact that they drew Vanderbilt, um, and we knew this when the seedings came out a week ago, uh, that ECU would match up with Vandy, Greenville, and Nashville Regionals, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a tough draw. And I don't think ECU is going to be able uh, to handle Vanderbilt. But then again, you know, stranger stranger things have happened. So um, the thing about DBU, Serbs, um, and, and just to close up shop on, on USF, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to show up in Austin with with a slipper on at all. I think they're going to get in, undressed, if not, you know, already uh, by the <laughs> Longhorns. So um, DBU... This is a fascinating regional because the neutral site super regional um, is something that you don't see. Apparently, this used to be a thing. I don't quite remember it, but a neutral super regional, Virginia and DBU. Now, you could have said, you know, why couldn't this regional have been played uh, in Fort Worth or Greenville, you know, which is closer to Charlottesville? Uh, for Virginia. I, I think it was a good decision. Again, control what you can control uh, to just keep this bad boy in Columbia, especially considering Virginia had to play Old Dominion on Tuesday morning, which I think was like a 9 o'clock Eastern start because of rain on Monday. So the Cavs don't have to leave. Dallas Baptist, it's easier for them to get into Columbia. Uh, but it sets up a neutral environment at a phenomenal ballpark in Founders, uh, in Founders Park. 
there in Columbia, and you have a DBU team, Serbs, that, you know, no one's ever heard of, as you say, but, like, they have regional success. They've been uh, to the regional in, I think, seven straight years, uh, eight of the last nine seasons. Uh, they've, they've been to the Supers. Uh, I think this is their second appearance offhand, if, if I remember correctly. Um, but Dallas Baptist is, is and, and some of the other coaches have said this, TCU's, well, formerly TCU's, Jim Sloshnagel, who's now the next head coach at Texas A&M, as of Wednesday morning, the day of our recording. That happened overnight, Tuesday into Wednesday. More on that in a second before we close up shop. But Jim Schlossnagel said after playing DBU in Fort Worth, like, look, that is an Omaha team. Like, they are an Omaha program. They just have never been to Omaha yet. So, you know, as much as I've loved Virginia, um, and I've picked them to kind of continue this this run and reversing their four and eleven start. The DBU storyline is is just so fascinating as a team that has just been on the cusp of getting there and has had some some routine success, but is looking to break through that wall as well. So uh, while you and I both agree USF is not going to stand a chance against against Texas, you've got Dallas Baptist and you've got ECU who are both bidding for their first ever Omaha appearance, and it's just it, it's kind of weird uh, reverse poetry or, or psychoism or I, I don't know how you want to describe it that a team like ECU who who has been the most well-built team to make it to Omaha that hasn't been um, and has more resources has been has owned their league year after year has been so close they draw Vanderbilt whereas DBU has the easier path uh, looking for their as a division two they're a division two athletic program with a division one baseball team and they're going to play at a neutral site in Columbia against Virginia, uh, I just think it sets up beautifully uh, for Dallas Baptist. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, this weekend. I like DBU uh, better than USF, better than ECU uh, to earn their first ever College World Series appearance. So uh, a neutral site, that'll be fun. And is sh- and is shown uh, over the weekend, it's a lot of fun here, Stephen Schock, who uh, Virginia reliever, uh, this is a guy I've been kind of passively tracking all year. He's got kind of that Kenny Powers uh, vibe and, and look to him. Uh, you know, he's a psycho on the mound. And in his save against South Carolina to clinch Virginia's first regional championship game appearance since 2015, uh, this is Stephen Shock in his postgame interview with the ACC Network uh, proving to all that he is my spirit animal. Well, emotions are go in, win. I heard a fan offer free dipping Dots if I blew it which the price of dipping Dots with inflation is just unreal. So for a brief moment, I was like, damn, dipping Dots sound good. But also I thought in the back of my head, we win today, we win tomorrow, or tonight. We're going to be here another day. That's more per diem. So that means I can buy my own dipping Dots and be a winner. So it's like, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to attack. I think three words every time I'm out there. The first one's a swear word. Starts with F. Um, second word's attack. Third one's win and i just repeat that to myself unless you know there's a breach in the system and a walkie guy and i gotta tell myself i'm a few different things that isn't a winner um i might break that but then i get right back on it just this attack win you know isn't that awesome that's phenomenal he had he had to clarify on twitter too uh in, in reposting something in the last day that look i've gotten a lot of questions uh but i am not 
in my 40s. I am, you know, 24 years old or, or whatever it may be, um, <laughs> 20, 22 years old. Apparently, you know, uh, the Cougars are, are just flooding his inbox. So uh, that's great, man. Good for him. And, you know, for him to be able to leverage, you know, another day uh, in the postseason to earn extra per diem to buy his own Dippin' Dots, like, that's awesome. And Dippin' Dots is already, their official account is already pandering towards uh, Stephen Shock saying, you know, that they'd be willing to, to kick in some dip and dots for him. But of course, you know, I don't know if the NIL is uh, yet uh, established or installed for him to get away with that. That would be an extra impermissible benefit. So um, he even went on to say at one point, quote, you walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose as long as you've got your 26 guys ready to kick ass. And he stopped himself. He's like, kick butt. Uh, you're going to be all right. And he's like, sorry, I sweared. With, with a smile. He's like, I like to swear. And you heard him, you know, the F word is his favorite word. So, I mean, this dude is just all natural. Um, he's awesome, man. Yeah, no, and, and he got it done. It's one thing to, like, be this kind of character and, 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 and lose. <laughs> Yeah. But he, but he, but he backs it up, and uh, yeah, he backs uh, it up, and he chucked when he got that save. Like he chucked his glove. This was on Sunday. He chucked his glove across the diamond, and is like raising his hands up towards the sky and just going nuts, like a, absolute psychopath. Yeah, it's pro- it's a fun guy, I'm sure, to have on the team. Good for the dugout. Good for the pin. Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I love college sports because of things like that. When those personalities come out, not everyone has an agent and a publicist and <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, well, and, and so you get to see some real personality from some of these cats every once in a while. And uh, that's awesome. And like real talk, like just a, you know, some side commentary like this, my trip, you know, here in Chicago and being out, you know, on my 16 person golf trip this past weekend in Indiana, you know, talking about college baseball and having it on the TV and, trying to bring these guys up to speed with what's going on. Like people don't really care about college baseball in the Midwest. And certainly where I come from uh, in Chicago, like it's not a thing. And and it's more of a thing in North Carolina and on the East coast. Cause now you're into the South, but, and it is a way of life in the deep South in sec country. Like we know that and in varying degrees, you know, throughout Texas and, and other parts of the West coast. But like, yes, the deep South is where it is the most popular. Mm-hmm. And then the further North you go, the less, unless it becomes a thing. So I'm trying to convince and tell people and, and bring them up to speed on on all the positives of the game and just how how much more exciting and, and how college baseball offers up all of these things that you can't get in Major League Baseball. And that's the energy. That's the enthusiasm. That's these tournament settings throughout a weekend um, and these boisterous personalities and just seeing, you know, the real, genuine, all-natural love of the game, you know, from these guys um, and, and, you know, their blood, sweat, and tears to go along with it all. Like, you don't get that at the professional level. And there's something with Kyle. And that's why you and I, I think, Serbs, love doing what we do, working in college sports, because you get that across the board uh, in college football and college basketball. But, but, like, college baseball just hits different in the way these guys react and respond on the field. And whether it's the dog piles to rushing out of the dugouts to, you know, the walk-off home run. How about how about the grand slam from, from DBU, from Dallas Baptist, over the weekend that put them ahead of Oregon State when they were down 5 nothing, And then in the seventh inning, Andrew Benfield, a former Louisville guy, hits a grand slam, and he's jumping for joy in the box, admiring his shot, knowing that he just put DBU ahead 6-5 after being down 5 nothing in the elimination game for, this, for the regional championship. And the umpire, the idiot umpire, runs at him and yells at him to, to start running around the bases. But it's like... That moment, you know, that 
that that is a moment that Benfield owned and he will never forget. And just seeing the way his team reacts and rallies around him and, you know, the team coming together, the energy, the enthusiasm, the passion, all of that. Like, you don't get that in professional sports at all. Well, and to, to piggyback kind of what you were saying with college baseball in general, it is one of the college sports that truly still has an amateur feel to it. Um, there is, I mean, college football and college basketball are such a big business now um, that it's at times, with the exception of, of women's basketball, which unfortunately is still not getting the type of resources it, it needs, um, with, with those two sports, it very much feels like a semi-professional league um, atmosphere, right? Like everyone seems like they're they're poised to go on to the NFL or the NBA. Um, there's something about you know college baseball, college softball. I will throw like gymnastics and track and field into the into the mix as well, um, and women's college basketball. There's still this amateur feel about it because it's not there isn't as much money wrapped up in it, right? Like there there I don't really have a question of like well for this guy to come to Ole Miss was there a bag man you know like they're just there's something so much more innocent about the sport of college baseball and I think that's something that comes out in in moments like these you know and we see a little bit of it in March Madness it's phenomenal and I think one of the reasons we see that so much in March Madness is because we start to get you know teams that are kind of on the outskirts of the national eye you know the national focus and so we get introduced to these guys that maybe we haven't already put in our head as like these professional stars, even though they're college athletes, you know, that's something special. I think about college baseball, it just still, it has an amateur feel to it that uh, some of the big boy uh, college sports don't have. Um, and I think that's just some of the charm of college baseball, women's college basketball, college softball, so on and so forth. You're right. And I think the scholarship limitations, the 11.7 does something, you know, everybody is just more on an equal playing field among mm-hmm. amongst the peers. Like there's no big money blue chipper or potential, you know, big money, you know, scholarship player. Um, it, it, it's more balanced. And, yeah. and I think the I think the brotherhood is just is just a little bit different. You know, same thing can be said for softball, the sisterhood and the women's college World Series currently going on. Um, it, it's just the innocence, I think, is the right is the right word that you used okay let's let's pick these supers real quick and then i want to touch on the coaching carousel i'll run through you know some of the changes but um fayetteville uh nc state good on you for for winning rustin uh i expected you to do so especially after seeing you and the way you've performed down the stretch uh heading into the acc tournament in charlotte but um I, I, I don't know. I, I can't see you getting past Cal. I'm already penciling in Arkansas for the for the national championship series. Uh, <laughs> best out of three in Omaha. So um, that would be a shocker of all shots. We almost saw it with Nebraska, but I can't see Arkansas uh, not getting out against NC State. I just think too much firepower offensively. And then, of course, they have Kevin Copps, which, which NC State does not have. So I do like Arkansas. I'm going to go a little bit against the grain here. I'm going to pick a West Coast rep in Stanford, uh, taking down mm-hmm. Texas Tech. I, I just think Texas Tech has shown too many flaws throughout the year. Um, now they won, you know, over Army, UNC, and UCLA in the Lubbock Regional over the weekend. But and, and we know how good Tim Tadlock has been in getting this team to Omaha. But I think it's a surprise uh, to this point that that they are a super regional team considering they they finished third during the regular season the big 12 weren't interested in the big 12 tournament uh and i think the trees i I think stanford uh is is 
do some success here against Texas Tech. Arizona and Ole Miss, I'm going to go with Tim Elko, Mike Bianco, and company. Uh, the Rebels over the Wildcats, uh, which is going to set up with Vanderbilt over ECU. No question. Sorry. I, not even a thought for you uh, Pirates fans. So, uh, you know, get at me. But Vandy, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, three of the four on that side of the bracket representing the SEC. Uh, Stanford, the other one to join. And then on the other half, uh, Texas over USF. Notre Dame, baby. Homer pick over Mississippi State. Let's see those Golden Dome helmets shine at Duty Noble. And then, uh, God, this is tough. I, I, Virginia DBU. Uh, as I said, I've been high on Virginia all year. Uh, I, I got to stick with as much as I want to see Dallas Baptist earn that first ever bid to Omaha. Um, I, I got to continue to ride the hand that has been hot and, and that has done well uh, over the last couple of months. And I've been on that Virginia Cavaliers train. I'm going to continue to ride it, although I wouldn't be mad if they end up falling to Dallas Baptist. Uh, I will take UVA, Stephen Schock to the Dippin' Dots quote. Uh, just uh, what a what a soundbite. So we're going with Virginia. And then uh, Palmineri, baby. Let's go. Get back to Omaha over <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, Swan Song will uh, be almost entirely complete, but he'll get back. Uh, to Omaha. So LSU, Virginia, Notre Dame, and Texas. Uh, no SEC representative with Mississippi State going down on the right side. So, uh, or LSU being the only other. So uh, I got LSU, Virginia, Notre Dame, Texas, Arkansas, Stanford, Ole Miss, and Vanderbilt as my eight teams. Uh, I'm picking to go to Omaha. I like it. Um, I'll just uh, – I don't know that I'll follow the bracket the same way you did, but I'll say I agree on Vandy um, taking down ECU uh, while while as a, as a North Carolina kid. Um, I'm pulling for the Pirates. Got several friends that went there. I just I just think it's going to be tough, and, and that that journey is going to continue for them to to try and get to Omaha next season. Um, and maybe, maybe next season will be the year, but I just think – you know, yeah, it's unfortunate that they that they're having to go to Nashville and, and take on uh, one of the best teams in the in the country when perhaps they should be in in the position that Vandy is. But regardless, um, I'm with you on Virginia. I think part of the I think part of the uh, thing that'll help there is just the staying in Columbia. You know, not having to move around quite as much. I know it's a truly neutral site, but Dallas Baptist is still having to travel up from Texas. Um, Virginia was in Columbia last weekend. So uh, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, I have to disagree with you, unfortunately. While I, you know, I appreciate your Irish, I do think they caught the shaft uh, throughout this process. Um, the dude's going to be rocking for, for the Bulldogs. Uh, Texas Tech, Stanford, I, th- I think Stanford does have a good shot at this one. I'm going to go with your pick as well. Um, they were right there in the thick of it all season long in the Pac-12. So, um yeah, I like I like I like their chances against Texas Tech, who really just doesn't stick out to me. Um, there's nothing that jumps off the page about the Red Raiders that makes me want to pick on Arkansas. I'm going to go with as well. Uh, you know, NC State's had a great year, but you're right. You know, it's got they got to go through cops, and I, I don't know that anyone's going to be able to do that um, until we get into the you know final of the College World Series. Uh, the Maneri show continues. Um, I agree. I think uh, much like Mike Martin making it to. The um, to Omaha in his final season, LSU will as well. Tennessee, a great run for them though. This is one of the best seasons they've had in quite a while. Um, so nothing, you know, even if they, even if they, LSU does take them out, this is something that they can hang their hats on as being, you know, a really great year in the history of the program. Um, South Florida, Texas, we've already talked about that Longhorns' role, and then 
Arizona Ole Miss, who knows? It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. That's a toss up. I haven't seen Arizona play at all this year, so I'm gonna go with Ole Miss by default. Um, just because they're the SEC, it just means more, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on on them to round out the field. I can't believe you're going against my Irish man. Come on, I wouldn't go against Clemson if they, I, if they were here. I got to support my boy. It's not personal. It's not personal. But the dude's going to be rocking, and, and I think you know a three game super regional. We'll be paying attention on. Uh, they play on on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Correct. Yeah, I think we'll be seeing a game uh, yes. on Monday in Starkville um, between those two. So just just the uniforms, just the environment. <laughs> I mean, those two teams. That is going to be, gosh, like. I'm going to be salivating. Uh, I'm going to be excited o- over that one visually, visually for sure. Uh, I, I can't really tell you exactly uh, what's in my head right now thinking about it, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I think you can use your imagination. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so good stuff. Okay, um, let's see. Anything else to cover on, on the field? I don't think so. Let, let me just touch on let me touch on some coaching carousel stuff, then we'll get out. You can react uh, to any one of these four things. And, and Jim Schlossnagel officially going to Texas A&M. Uh, that happening here Wednesday morning. Uh, three Big 12 regular season titles at TCU, 15 NCAA tournament appearances, seven Super Regional appearances, and five College World Series appearances. Um including four straight from 14 to 17. Remember, Texas A&M has only been to the College World Series six times in their entire program history. So uh, Ross York is, is looking to ante up and make Texas A&M you know, really a true power, like they are in, in a sense, but they don't mm-hmm. have the postseason success. So uh, Childers out after 13 straight NCAA tournament appearances came to an end. His contract was not renewed after not making the SEC tournament either. So uh, in Schlossnagel, 55 and 36 career showing in the NCAA tournament. So uh, he spurns the frogs. He's going to stay in state and go to Texas A&M. Schlossnagel now a member of the SEC. Uh, the, the rich get richer, yep. uh, right? In terms of uh, the SEC and that conference, uh, just goes to show you, you know, it just means more. So uh, Ray Anderson. This is very curious. He's the athletic director at Arizona State. So uh, he's not going to have back uh, head coach Tracy Smith after seven seasons. Uh, Tracy Smith has been fired by Ray Anderson. Uh, 33-22 and 22 overall record this year. Didn't make it out of the Austin Regional. 16-14 uh, and 14 in Pac-12 play. Smith was 201 and 155, 87-92 and 92 in Pac-12 play. Reached the NCAA tournament in four of seven seasons. So Ray Anderson, server says that this team should be able to compete uh, amongst or finish amongst the top three of the Pac-12. And they should, you know, look to get back to Omaha uh, every single year. That should be a goal, which, yeah, obviously it goes without saying. You've been there 22 times. You've won uh, five national championships, but you haven't been in 10, 11 years or so. So like Ray Anderson serves is saying that, you know, this program, this should be uh, a hallmark job and, you know, a cornerstone program of, of college baseball. Yet, he does say, uh, we're not going to get in a bidding war with other teams. We have limitations. There are our athletic departments who have more money because they're sponsoring 18 or 19 varsity programs. Um, and we're sponsoring 26. So what he says is they're not willing to pay. He says, quote, they're going to lavish. Places like the SEC are going to lavish coaches with compensation. We don't have that luxury at a place like Arizona State or in the Pac-12. We have some other goals in mind. Continuing a quote here, this is from D1 Baseball, uh, Kendall Rogers' piece. There are going to be folks that we 
that we predetermined aren't going to be in our pool of candidates, so we won't waste our time in a lot of those situations. So you want to make Arizona State a legitimate contender, but you're not willing to pay that person to come in, basically, is what mm-hmm. Ray Anderson is saying. So uh, I, I don't know how things are ever going to change at Arizona State if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting interesting take, too, because aren't they paying Herm a ton of money to coach the football team? Um, I believe he's he's got to be one of the highest-paid head coaches in college football. Uh, so... Okay, <laughs> you know that that that's coach speak for an for an AD, I suppose. Um, yeah. So Arizona Arizona State comes open. Also, Cal State Fullerton. Rick Vanderhoek, friend mm-hmm. of the program, had him on the show a year ago. Titans finished twenty and thirty-five, uh, thirteen to twenty-three in the Big West this year. Things have really fallen off the rails since since twenty eighteen. Uh, Fullerton went thirty-two and twenty-three, making it into the tournament. Seven straight NCAA tournaments under under Vanderhoek, but. Uh, it was ugly, 27-26-19, and 19, uh, missed the tournament, 4-12 start during the COVID year. So uh, Vanderhoek is out after 10 years at Cal State Fullerton. So, and they've got four national titles uh, and 12 uh, appearances uh, in Omaha. I think it's 12 or 18. Um, them and Arizona State combined for 40. So, and, and, yeah. nine, national, and nine national uh, titles. So, I mean, those are two tradition uh, rich programs for sure. And, and I mean, you can't really look far outside the Cal State Fullerton circle to bring anybody into there because, I mean, you don't have, you aren't showing the same uh, worth, trust, and promise in baseball as you once had if you're Cal State Fullerton. And, and what I mean is you've got UC Santa Barbara, UC Irvine, uh, you've even got Long Beach, Long Beach State, who I think are showing uh, more value and more interest in making themselves legitimate when it comes to resources and everything else. Uh, with that, uh, they're more all in with baseball at this time than Cal State Fullerton, so, which is sad to an extent. And then LSU, here's the real interesting one. Uh, serves, I mean, pulmonary, LSU, they're still in it. Uh, they're still playing. They're going to Knoxville this weekend. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan and Florida are not. And yeah. solely, you win, you win a national title in 17 over LSU. Um, your team is disinterested as hell this weekend in your own regional in Gainesville. And you look at Florida athletics and Florida baseball, you got a brand new stadium and, P- and full capacity is allowed, but nobody shows up. The culture is just different. You have an opportunity to maybe leave Florida and go to LSU where the culture is night and day to what you experience at Florida, where fans actually care. Um, and you can go somewhere where you have every single resource, including the fan support. Uh, if you're Kevin O'Sullivan, I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't entertain at least an offer from LSU at this point there's no doubt he's the top he's the top candidate uh for LSU at this point so um what do you think do you think Soli should should consider and and do you think he will uh bolt Florida for LSU if the opportunity comes up yeah you got to go where the money is in this business I think a lot of times but it seems a bit like a lateral move to me um yeah so he can get paid two mil yeah yeah that's what i mean like if you can get paid it's and i hate the narrative of like these you know people who like to bash these guys for going where the money is but it's like hey not like you wouldn't do that um and your you know whatever your chosen career path is too um so yeah i mean that that'll be that'll be that'll be interesting to see if that plays out but the lsu job is a good job regardless of of who takes like if he takes it there's I don't think there's going to be anybody like really questioning him except for Florida fans and then on the Cal State Fullerton front you know Vanderhook seven straight um, NCAA tournament appearances uh, up until what the year before last so 
um, you know, Cal State Fulton, like you said, they're still they're still they still have a chance to kind of be you know one of those local teams out there, not in the Pac-12 that 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 makes a run every year. But you're right that it's getting tougher and tougher in the Big West. Yeah, and Cal State Fullerton, 18 College World Series appearances. Arizona State, 22. Uh, four natties for Cal State Fullerton, five for Arizona State. But, uh, yeah, Florida and Kevin O'Sullivan, you wonder uh, what that situation is like behind closed doors and if he really is considering a move, which would seem lateral in a way, especially because you have a national title more recently than LSU has, uh, and you beat LSU to do so in 2017. But, man, uh, for a team that was preseason number one uh, in Florida and to f- go out the way they went out, just inconsistent all year long, you still get a regional, and then you get pounded the way you did, especially in your exit game, 19-1. to uh, You just wonder, you know, what more might be going on behind the scenes. Lance Berkman, by the way, was hired at Houston Baptist, too, so he does get uh, his, his coaching uh, opportunity. So, again, guy that was you know rumored or, or wanted to by many uh, to be looked at by rice rice still hasn't filled that spot either also but uh berkman lands at houston baptist hat tip on the way out women's college world series florida state leading oklahoma state in the championship series one game to none here as we enter uh wednesday evening's game two a chance to close it out 10 seeded seminoles winning 8-4 on tuesday night and also montana fouts for alabama fifth pitcher to throw a perfect game in women's college world series history over the weekend 14 strikeouts in that performance against ucla first time there had been a perfect game in the wcws since 2000 so um he's michael serber on twitter at l underscore serberino i'm kyle shasperger at kyle shas serbs uh wish me well in my pizza eating uh escapades and hot dogs and italian beef and all of that and the like and and hopefully uh I look to see you maybe next week, perhaps. I know you're heading to the beach, but uh, we'll have the Super Regionals to unpack and then uh, Omaha to prepare for. Yeah, man. Get that deep dish on, brother. Dude, I'm going to get it on so good. I'm, I'm going to eat an entire pie, and I'm <laughs> going to come back 15 pounds heavier when you see me next. You watch. He's Michael Server. <laughs> He's Michael Server. I'm Kyle Shasperger. I'm going uh, to get to work here. Chi-Town, here we come, okay? Bye. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.